Hello, friends, and those of you specifically in the Portland area. I have a classy product I'd like to officially endorse. More than boards. Not your average charcuterie. Your spot for above and beyond boards. Seek them out on Instagram, at more than boards, and when you fill out their Google form, put Hero Ball Podcast in the comments. Enjoy. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. This is Ethan Huffman speaking and I'm joined today by Elkin Beltry. Elkin, good to see you my man. We're going to be tackling the Atlantic Division. We honestly have been putting this one off a little bit because we were hoping for some drama to resolve itself. Um, but here we are. We got Kyrie. We got Ben Simmons. We got the Knicks in general. I guess we got some stuff to talk about. Yeah, I definitely do. Uh, such a, a little drama-filled division, but... Uh... Let's go ahead and hit it hard after you and I uh, delayed our start. For for those of you listening, Ethan and I were ready to pod like 30 minutes, but we ended up going down a rabbit hole of mid-2000s NBA players, and we had to stop ourselves because it's addicting. I honestly think there's no like greater bonding experience than for um, you know like men of a similar age talking about athletes from their you know like youth young adult etc etc like nothing will, will set you off more than like just saying that like a, a ron gant if you're talking mlb you know everyone loves a ron gant and nothing will make you feel happier than a memento core if you talk about oh, the nba memento core or if you go to the nfl and you're like a brandon stokely for all you indiana people you know i'm just saying like random names of guys who at some point made you really happy, mad, or sad. You just kind of think about those moments. There's nothing better for, like, the, the male sports fan than just saying random names and uh, and just kind of remembering what it was like when those things were happening. I love it. I love it. All right, but like like you said, though, Atlantic Division. We're going to talk about this division. The first team who we got, Brooklyn Nets, had a good season last year, 48-24, made it to the conference Semifinals, we all know about what happened with that seven-game series with the Bucks. You know, we're about a toe short from advancing to the conference finals. Given, I'm going to put this out there, no Kyrie. James Harden, let's be honest, was more of a kind of like a distraction, take away attention from Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant pretty much carried them there. But the running back, James Harden, Kevin Durant, they, their core players, they, they kept your Blake Griffins, Joe Harris, I do like, though, some of the um, – Bruce Brown. I bring up Bruce Brown, of course, who can't forget. I do like some of the people they've added. Uh, Patty Mills. I like that signing for them. That, that, that's, that's a signing I'm excited for, especially if things don't work out with Kyrie. That's a guy where I'm just like, I don't mind having him there in that Kyrie spot. That's a nice guy to slot in. I like their pickup, Camp Thomas from the draft. Paul Millsap, I've loved him as a player. I'm interested to see what he can give you now. In his career, if he's giving you like small spurts, he's not going to be bad. Lamarcus Aldridge, who we know kind of stepped away, retired, but he's back. Nick Claxton, I want to see how he keeps developing. James Johnson, uh, got to have someone to protect your star players always. Unless we got to have James Johnson there, let's be honest. And they got Devontae, how do you say that last name, Ethan? Help me out here. Kaycock. Kaycock, Kessler Edwards, DeAndre Bembry, 
who's always been like a solid player. Javon Carter, I like him as your third guard, like third or fourth guard. Javon Carter coming in, just giving you like five, ten minutes of defense. And Daron Sharp. So that's what we round out. Go ahead. And some of these guys, like I'm not, I, I don't know who was on two ways when I when I put this together. Like I put this doc together a week ago. I'm, you know, they could even sign someone new, but honestly, it's probably not going to be anyone of, of immense importance until we get uh, some Kyrie Irving um, clarifications on how his situation will play out. Um, end of the day, this team's really talented. Obviously, we got Kevin Durant, James Harden, who by themselves are going to win a lot of games. But I think I think the thing that they did really well is they, they, they didn't put all their eggs in like one player archetype basket, right? You got a guy like Blake Griffin who is more of a like, if, when you're talking about defensively, more of like, I will move my feet, I'll take charges, I'm not going to be a, a rim protector, as it were. But like, I will, I will get in the right positions to kind of avoid being a defensive sieve. Millsap, more of a positional defender. Um, you know, try strategic help defender, probably like more of like a Robert Covington. I'm better in help than I am one-on-one. Um, Marcus Aldridge, more like your traditional, I'm big, I stay in front of the rim, but I'm not blocking shots, just I can test a lot. And then Nick Claxton, your guy who if they need, you know, someone pretty athletic, Nick Claxton has all the athletic capacities you could ask for, um, except for being, you know, broad and thick like he's kind of a slender slender man so like i like i like the the diversity they have for that like fifth spot if kevin durant's not going small ball center and not to mention bruce brown who you can put on as a pesky guard defender but it rebounds really well like not afraid afraid to like go in and and, and take some take some difficult floaters and layups um if, if the shot clock winds down i think this team found themselves in a really good spot with with you know adding patty mills the shooter javon carter's been shooting well since getting into the nba solid pesky defender as well like honestly if kyrie Irving plays on this team i don't think there's any way i wouldn't pick them to win the championship with kyrie Irving, you know i would say likely to to miss a significant chunk of the games and who knows like, you just don't know because you can't get a, a straight word out of that man. Like, you don't know what his intentions are. And so, I just assume Kyrie Irving doesn't play basketball anymore, regardless of what he says on Instagram or, or what Woj says on Twitter. I don't care what either of them say. The man is not going to be able to play in the, in the Barkley Center for the foreseeable future. That makes it tough. Makes, makes, it, t- makes it tough for him to play with it, th- these guys. So, I just don't consider him a player. I should have took him off the list. And I, I was I was interested to see if you would have left him on there, but I saw you left him on there. But got to remember, Ethan, Kyrie is the voice of the voiceless in his words. And a quote from Instagram Live circa this week, 30 minutes conversation that he had. But, yeah, when you talk about this team, we all know, like, the big guys. For me, I'm always, I think with this team, I'm not as worried because I always get the feeling that when the chips are all on the table, the Nets are going to run Kevin Durant at the five, which is the smart thing to do. Oh, they're able to get away with it in a few series, and he's the guy. I mean, if Kevin Durant is healthy, he is not bad at defense. Like, he's had some really good defensive seasons as well, and he knows where to put himself. He's he's pretty decent at protecting the rim. And like you said, even if they have no Kyrie but a healthy James Harden and Kevin Durant, they're going to be one of the top teams either way. Like that, Because those two, you still have two of the best scorers in the league and in league history, if we're being honest. And and when things were clicking too, when James Harden was healthy, they did damage. Like during the regular season, I know people like to bring up all oh, James Harden didn't do anything in the playoffs because he was injured. But during that regular season, he was still killing it. And I do want to see what happens with some of these other guys during the playoffs. I felt like it was Kevin Durant show. Bruce Brown did his thing. Blake Griffin had some moments, but I did feel like Joe Harris 
superb three-point shooter, but his shot was just off during the playoffs. It, it was – go ahead. And for, for what it's worth, like, he was getting a lot more attention because those – like, you know, some of these guys were down. You know, they didn't even have, like, a LaMarcus Aldridge who was going to be able to, like, take some of the, like, you know, isolation burden off because of his uh, his health his health scares, right? Like, there's a lot going on that, like, in, inevitably led to, like, Joe Harris needing to be – needing to be a dude and just honestly couldn't do it. I mean, but like you look for the, the playoffs as a whole, I'm trying, I'm pulling up. So he shot 51% in the first series against the Celtics and then shot 32% against the Bucks. So like, and those are on very, very similar in terms of like total attempts. He shot 33 in, in the, in the Celtics series, shot 49 in the seven games against the Bucks. But point being is like, he, he didn't shoot poorly for the playoffs in general. He didn't shoot poorly. Um, in the grand scheme of things, it just was, he had a tough series with the Bucks, focusing, every, like, most of their energy that wasn't spent on Kevin Durant, it was almost exclusively spent on keeping Joe Harris under wraps. And did he have some open shots and he missed them? Yeah. But sometimes, like, when you're not getting a consistent look, it's sometimes hard to just be always on, ready to go. Like, that's one of the underrated things about some of these shooters that have played with LeBron James over the years, played with, you know, like Kobe back in the day. Guys who don't touch the ball for a long period of time because they have a pretty uh, um, heliocentric offense running, but then can catch and shoot even though they haven't touched it in, min- in minutes. It's a talent. It's a talent. It's hard, to, it's hard to be that good of a shooter when you don't get the ball much at all. And so, you know, for whatever else, Joe, Joe Harris didn't have it that series. But I don't think that's indicative of, like, what a future performance will hold. And I think having a guy like LaMarcus Aldridge, a guy like a continued development of Nick Claxton, Blake Griffin as well, Paul Millsap, all, and, and Patty Mills, all these guys are guys who are good ball movers. I think, you know, when James Harden's off the court, maybe he's the one who kind of, like, holds up the, the ball flow, the ball flow movement. Um, even though he does facilitate really well. I think everyone on this team is a pretty good passer, or at least above average passer for their position, maybe other than Cam Thomas, who I know is just a bucket. So you give it to him. You keep it out of his hands until you want him to shoot, maybe is the case. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But I think you do have a pretty good bench unit this time. I know they were trying to build back that bench after they, after they had to trade away some of their pieces to get uh, James Harden. And I think they've done a pretty good job. I think – when it comes down to it, they'll have a solid eight, seven, eight-man rotation in the playoffs, which is what you want in the playoffs. You want to shorten that playoff leash, unless you're the 2009-2010 Suns who had a bench of five guys who can play and did ridiculously good. But that's where I see it. This team, I feel like, is going to be neck and neck with Milwaukee as far as contending for the East, and I think they're going to be the best one in this division. Yeah, I I don't think there's any chance they're not the best in this division. I don't I I I've, I'm I'm kind of coaching like I'm I'm we'll, we'll talk about the Celtics show shortly, but I'm I'm kind of leaning more and more Celtics being better than I thought they would be initially based on the off season, but um still not not Nets. The Nets are the be- if the Nets have Kyrie Irving, they're the best team in the NBA. Um to me a lot by a long shot because there's that's too much scoring and then. You're not talking about great defensive players, but you're talking about guys who've been in the league for a long time. They know the little, the you know, the tricks. They know how to get away with stuff. And again, like Kevin Durant, I don't, I know Giannis just won the championship, Finals MVPs, won back-to-back MVPs, you know, a couple years ago. I, Kevin Durant might be the, still the best player in the NBA. I don't know. LeBron James might be the best player in the NBA. Like I'm saying, there, there's some competition for it. There's there's no no lock surefire thing. But the way Kevin Durant played in that series with not a lot of help, it looked like he might be. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that one. Now, the next team in line 
also dealing with some drama. Philadelphia 76ers went 49-23 last season. Over-under is 50 games. Running it back, another team that they kept like their Seth Currys, Tybal, Danny Green, Harris, Joel Embiid. They have Shake Milton, love Tyrese Maxey, Moss, love it. And then you bring in some additions like George Nian, former Indiana Pacer, by the way, second round pick, wanted it out there. Solid for the Jazz, though. Andre Drummond, eh, I'm not, I'm kind of bullish on that one, but also, too, there's not much big man help for them. And then they have just a cast of other guys that I don't know if they're going to get a lot of major playing time that we have there. But there's a team that is, of course, notably missing one guy that is still contracted with this team, one Benjamin Simmons, who as of now, we know reported to get his uh, COVID test back with Philadelphia. He was there, uh, did not participate in the last preseason game, but he's back in the facility. I think I'll be back in the facility too if they said you're going to lose eight and a half million. I think that would uh, more than convince me to be back there at this point. But looking at this team, like people say what you want about Ben Simmons, but for, he is a huge, huge asset to this team. Yes, players do have bad series. Yes, he did. He did have a horrible series, but I think for me, he's still one of the one of the better players in the NBA as far as overall talent. Defensively, one of the better defensive players. And that combination of Tybal and Ben Simmons is a killer combination on the wing that they have there. And then Joel Embiid backing them up there. So I know it's a confidence issue. That's what it feels like at the end of the day for me with Ben Simmons. It's a confidence issue because you've seen Ben Simmons. We've both seen him since he's been a rookie. I even went back after that Philly series against the Hawks when everything happened. I went back even looking at him coming into like preseason. Ben Simmons was shooting like pull-up mid-rangers. He wasn't shooting threes pulling up for that, but he he had a nice mid-range game. Pull-up mid-rangers, turnaround mid-range shots, and he was confident. And that's what it is, but I don't know if they're going to trade him. They might just be like, hey, we still have you under contract. We have you for several more years. You're going to have to play with us. We're going to have to make mend this relationship, but we're going to make it work because I personally think they're asking price for him is way too high there's some guys that they can move him for but the other team's like no it's not worth giving up so much to get this in return and that that's what i keep seeing with this whole situation yeah it, it comes down to it where daryl morey wants like a james harden like package for ben simmons and that's not that's not equitable but like teams like the blazers want to give up just straight up cj mccollum and that's also not equitable in the slightest so like you have this this tug is this push and pull of like your guy really stinks. We saw him in the playoffs last year versus, well, no, but we think he's James Harden and we, we want that value. And like, no one's, no one, no one's going to figure that one out unless like, like I remember when we first, like this, this all started and you know, the buddy, my buddies of mine, they're, you know, we, we root for the Blazers since they're out here. We're like, Oh, like they're like, Oh, it'd be sick if we could trade CJ McCollum and maybe a pick and, and, and a pick. For uh, Ben Simmons, and I'm like, there's no way. Ben Simmons is so much better than Ben S and then CJ McCollum. But yeah, that's where we kind of found ourselves in part, like one half of the the really bad Instagram trades, right? You got the eight, eight, 84 first round picks for Ben Simmons on one side of Instagram, and the other side has you know CJ McCollum, a bag of chips, and like you know some salt and straw ice cream. So like we're 
We're, we're all over the place in terms of where we think Ben Simmons' value is. Ultimately, this team is still a really good team. I think they, I think they should – I am 100% in the case that if you can't get, like, a Zach Levine-type player, and even if that means you gave up, like, a pick, like, I feel like that would be a pretty even swap. But the Bulls are trying to win. They're not going to get Zach – they're not going to trade Zach Levine. If you can't get a Zach Levine-style player, I'd say run it back with Ben Simmons and hope that you have enough shooting around it to, to mitigate the problem. And also, like, the, the thing I would coach Ben Simmons on – is like, hey, I don't care if you ever shoot a jump shot. I really don't. Just work on your free throws. Get better at free throws and just try to dunk it every time. Like, you are such a good athlete. There's no way, you, there's no reason you can't play this game like Giannis. Because not to mention, Ben Simmons is a better ball handler than Giannis. He's a better passer than Giannis. Like, there's no reason he can't probe into the defense and create so much if he just wasn't scared to get fouled. And that's the, where the real problem is. I don't care that he can't shoot. It's not a big deal. There's been a lot of really good players that can't shoot. Giannis, for what it's worth, had a really good, like, shooting postseason for Giannis. And that works out. And that, that that's all he needed for one championship. But, like, you can't... Like, there's not really a perfect give and take of how much does a, should a bad shooter shoot to keep the team honest, right? There's like, there's no, there's no playbook for that. But I, I just think if he wasn't scared to shoot free throws, it's all fixed. I really do. So the thing with, with comparing Ben Simmons and Giannis, I think what I look at is because you and I both saw with Giannis, he takes three point shots. That it's almost like, why are you shooting that three pointer? And most of the time when he shoots it, the defense is still kind of back. They're like, go ahead, Giannis, do what you need to do. But you're right. Giannis is still willing to take those shots. And then after a while, Giannis is just like, all right, I'm going to go in. But you brought up another thing is try to dunk it. What it, Honestly, almost every time I watch Giannis play and he gets the ball within, what do you say, like three or four feet, it seems like he's always trying to dunk it. Like he's always trying to go up and dunk it. Which for me is like, that's what Ben Simmons needs to do. And I know the lasting image of that Hawk series is Ben Simmons passing up that dunk. That's going to be the lasting image. But for me, I don't think it's the end of it. There are so many players who have had horrible series only to turn it around. And then they went on and excelled for their career. And I think Ben Simmons has all the talent in the world. And I know it's kind of been dragged on this whole drama. But for me, at the end of the day, you got to do what's best for you. Hopefully they resolve it. Because Ben Simmons is a fun basketball player to watch when he has that confidence. I enjoy watching him a lot. I personally, like, if he if he doesn't get traded, I would like him to, like, say, like, or I'm going to make this work with the 76ers. Because I do like watching them all work together. I mean, we talked about how important shooting is going to be, but I would love to see that. I don't know if you're, like, he needs a completely new change of scenery or you're like, hey, it can still work. I don't know where you stand on that. But that's where I'm at. Without knowing his... His attitude towards the situation, I can't tell you he has to have a change of scenery. I look at the, the starting talent, and while Joel Embiid being a post-up big, if Joel Embiid was just a, like a rim roller and a, uh, a catch-and-shoot big versus like how good he is in the post, you want Joel Embiid to post up, that's the reason Ben Simmons is a perfect fit for Joel Embiid because he doesn't spread the floor when Joel Embiid turns his back to the basket or faces up even. like. And I remember last year, like the whole lament was, all right, with, without the lack of spacing that Ben Simmons creates, we got to work on our face-up game. And I honestly thought Joel Embiid did an incredible job of developing his face-up game, having like you know an eye on the basket, and then being able to look at the defense that was coming and making better passes. I thought that was a huge development from last year. So those two, those two themselves are not perfect fits together. But the surrounding town around them, with a Tobias Harris, with a Seth, with a Seth Curry, with a Danny Green. I mean, honestly, even a George Niang, a ball-moving shooting four. Like all these guys are like helpful to the generic, like 
good basketball surrounding two guys who aren't a perfect fit. There's no reason this team can't work. I'm, I'm specifically thinking, you know, we were talking about random basketball players from the, from our, you know, you know, younger days. And, you know, we were bringing up Lamar Odom and how much we enjoy watching Lamar Odom play and how, how special he might've been in the NBA right now. And the thing is Elkin, like I was surprised at how low his career three point percentage was, which was like 31 point something percent. And that really blew my mind because I always thought of him as a threat. But apparently, he was not a threat at all. He would make a couple, but he was not a threat. And that's just where Ben Simmons needs to theoretically get, but not even from three. He just needs to be a threat to make free throws. I really think that because as much, as much as I love Lamar Odom, you know, he's a lefty, big guy, dribbles. I love that. That's like exactly what I love. That's why I love Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is a lot better than Lamar Odom. In every facet, except for one, and we—I just found out Lamar Odom wasn't a very good shooter. <laughs> that makes that makes sense, but but yeah, that's where I view the 76ers. I mean, if they get Ben Simmons back, yeah, they'll make it work, or they'll be a good team. If they don't, depending on who they get back, because I don't see Ben Simmons sitting out an entire season and losing that much money. I'm gonna be honest; they're gonna still be a decent team now. Real quick, I, I do want to run through one last thing. So if when we're talking about Ben Simmons a lot, obviously he's the he's the key to how all this plays out. But I do want to mention a couple players here. We haven't mentioned Tyrese Maxey or Isaiah Joe. I think a couple guys. Tyrese Maxey, more of a combo guard who I think you know has shown spurts. Had a pretty good. I think I got a 27 point game last year um, when he was getting some minutes. And I think Isaiah Joe, um, really good G League player, great three point shooter. Really thin, really thin. He says six six, like maybe close to like. 190 but he's uh, he's he's small he's a small man um in terms of being very slender um but i think both guys will play a pretty big role in this team this year as um as well maxi more of a, a shot creator and isaiah joe as a as a as a dead eye shooter i really like that pick when they got him um i'm hoping paul reed can get some minutes but he he's not a good enough shooter to where if he, he can't really play with joe and b that well and then if you're talking about he can't really play with Andre drummond either like it almost be like you play like a small ball Simmons and Reed lineup, but at that point, like I don't know, they still not a lot of shooting. It's just maybe like quicker. So anyway, those are a couple guys I wanted to get their names mentioned before we move on to the Celtics. But I'm very excited. So now take us into the Celtics. <laughs> Celtics, 36 and 36. Um, some say they might have underperformed last season. Over under for this season, 46 and a half. Now they kept their core guys of Jalen Brown, Justin Tatum, which is what you gotta do. Marcus Smart. Mr. got suspended for missing the plane flight. Um, they got, I think, second-year players coming in. Peyton Pritchard, loved him. Aaron Neesmith, I hope he developed because he's supposed to be a dead-eye shooter for them. So I'm like, eh, don't know why they still have Grant Williams on their team at this point. I'm kind of been like meh on him now. Same thing with Romain Langford. And they added guys. Dennis Schroeder. Schroeder. There we go. Brought him in, number 71. I think that's the number he's going to wear. Brought back Enos Cantor. Brought back Al Horford. Decided to bring in Juan Hernan Gomez. Jabari Parker. They're like, all right, let's see what you keep giving for us. What can you keep giving to us? And Bruno Fernando used to be on the Hawks. Not a bad guy. Ryan. Oh, my gosh. I always mess up his last name. I know. Archie Diak. Thank you. So this is a team. I'm still trying to make sense of them. Ethan, like they have like two guys who are just supremely talented with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. 
can't forget about the Time Lord. Sorry, I missed Time Lord Robert Williams. Can't forget about him. And Josh Richardson, which I'm, I'm kind of been missed since he left the Heat. I feel like the Heat brought the best in him. And then after he left the Heat and went to 76ers and the Mavericks, it's kind of been like, ugh, what's been going on with him? Like, watching, looking at this roster, this still doesn't feel like a roster that's going to be in the top of the East. Like, I know they have, they're trying to get back there. They have a new coach. Brad Stevens moved to the front office. And they, they're trying to address some of the rebounding woes that they've had. But looking at this team, I mean, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, amazing players. But this is a team that's going to be set up once again to kind of just, if they do make it to the playoffs, it's probably going to be one round and out. Like, that that's where I'm viewing them as right now. I think this team has a lot of potential. I, I worry about who else can step up and kind of like, swing a game late if it if it Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown are a little like you know occupied with you know, like, you know let's say like they're, they're going up against the Sixers I know that's you know like they're, they're sending help to Jason Tatum or they're sending help to Jalen Brown and Ben Simmons is eating the other one alive right or you're playing the heat and you're you're, you're dealing with Jimmy Butler and PJ Tucker and bam waiting for you after the fact right like we're talking about some te- some, some teams in the east that have some solid defensive pers- personnel or you're, you're, you're struggling to keep up with the Nets because Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, even though they're going to get a lot of good looks, they're not going to get as many good looks as Kevin Durant is. So there's a lot, a lot of, a lot of things to be a little concerned about. However, I think they have a nice little rotating cast of guys who they can see about. Can they do it for that game? And that, that goes all the way from Al Horford to Neesmith being hot from shooting, shooting Josh Richardson, Marcus Smart having some games where they can, you know, change the, change the game defensively. And probably get themselves going offensively as well. And then Dennis Schroeder, as much as I don't like him at all, and I've never been a supporter of him, and can't hardly stand to look at him when it comes down to the uh, just the way he plays basketball. I'll never forget the double dive last year where he pokes the ball loose with two seconds left on the shot clock, misses the first one, and then cho- chooses to dive again as the shot clock buzzer is going off. And I'm just like, that's such fake hustle. Like, I, 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 you might think it's not, but like you, you before you dove again, the buzzer went off. I don't know who you're trying to impress. Anyway, regardless, still didn't get that contract, even though they offered you one, and you should have took it because you're not that good. Regardless, I think this team's in a good spot. I think they got a lot, a lot to like about this team. I look at their, their, their like you know main like let's say ten man rotation, and I know we're not Grant Williams guys because his, his inability to shoot, but you know swap in Hernan Gomez, swap in Bar- Parker if you need some creation. I like the, their ability to go ten deep. On this team. And then when you're talking about the guys who aren't part of the 10 deep squad, like Romeo Langford, who's a good, you know, 6'4, 6'5, kind of wing guard defensive player. And I still think, as New Albany's own Indiana boy, I got faith because people from Indiana are good at basketball. I'll stand by that forever. You got Gary, uh, Garrison Matthews and Ryan Archiakno is like some really good, like off pin downs available when Jason Tatum's like kind of hogging the ball a little bit too much late kick out to those guys. Those guys are great shooters. I, I look at this team as just having, having enough. And I don't think they're in the top tier of the East, but I think, you know, if Jason Tatum continues to develop, if Jalen Brown continues to develop, they're, they're a team that could really put a scare into someone. If they had the right combination of like the Richardson Schroeder, smart Richardson, Horford Richardson, smart, like those guys contribute a little bit better in one game, a little bit better in this other game, they could put a scare in a team. I mean, like, Josh Richardson shot 40% from 3-1 of the seasons in Miami. It's in there somewhere, and it was like that Miami team was particularly good. 
right? Like they were good, but then like, I think that was the year that Chris Bosh ended up like getting having his his uh his clots problem. So that was a good team. Like I think they would have gave LeBron some problems just because of how skilled some of these scorers were. But like they weren't. I don't think they were going to beat the Cav LeBron teams. Regardless, regardless, like that was a long time ago now. And I've always kind of said he's more of a crazy hands defensive player, more so than a perfect defensive player. I just looked at this team and said they got options. And when you got options, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll stick around. Like the, the, For all the COVID and, and injury problems they had last year, I think they resolved a lot of that in Brad Stevens giving M.A. Odoku some good players to put on the court. Yeah. And I mean, they have the talent. And I, it's just a team that I'm not super excited about this team. I'm going to tell you that. Like, that's a team I'm not – it has some really good players, and I'm kind of just like, meh, about them at this point. They ha- it's cr- it's crazy how just we were like just three years ago this was a team who was in the conference finals. I know even two years ago they were in the conference finals, but I mean went to seven games, and and of course we remember with that Kyrie signing, Gordon Hayward signing, just how crazy like potential they had, and now here we are where you just have Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, kind of like all right taking the reins, but. I need I need to look up uh, if Gordon Hayward got vaccinated because who would have thought when the Celtics signed Gordon Hayward and Kyrie that Kyrie would be the anti-vaxer? That would that's an interesting that's little good. little thing. I, I w- I'm not sure I would have known that, but maybe maybe they're both anti-vaxxers. Maybe that's why they got along. There so we well. go. All right, Ethan, bring us on to the next team. Yeah, let's let's go to the New York Knicks, who we would have laughed at for the longest period of time, but last year they they finished 41-31. This year they're over under. Um, as of uh, at least a week ago was 41 and a half. I think this is a really solid team. I don't, you know, I, I don't like, I, I think I learned my lesson about them for the playoffs last year. Cause I don't think they got that much better, but they did, they did, they did address the issue where they couldn't score consistently enough with Julius Randall being the entirety and the whole offense. So what they go out and do, they went out and got a shooter and Evan Fournier guy can create a little bit for himself. And they went out and got Kemba Walker on the buyout market. Um, after he was uh, bought out from OKC. So the way I look at it is, is they now have two more guys who can attribute to their bad de- their bad offense, um, but also take away from what was a really good defense. Although Tom Thibodeau, he put good defenses out there. When Nate Robinson is, as a starting point guard, when Rose has been hurt back in the day in Chicago, the only bad defenses he's had was in Minnesota where he had no rim protection on this team. He's got Mitchell Robinson, Nerlens Noel, and then also Taj Gibson, who's a good positional defender. He's not the he's not the rim rim protector, but he gets in the right spots. We'll take some charges, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We hate charges, but he'll take them. And then I like I like the like kind of like the wing combinations of R.J. Barrett, Alec Burke. So you know Derrick Rose playing more of a two guard role. Emmanuel quickly coming off the bench and, and improving. Um, I know Richard was pretty high on Miles McBride as a uh, as a as a good like late first second round draft uh for like a, a backup point guard kind of position so um wish he was here to kind of talk about why he liked him but i know richard's high on him i don't know if i got fully to miles mcbride i don't remember him very well uh, i know he played for you know west virginia but that's about it and then ob Toppin, i mean had a pretty good um pretty good offensive playoffs when he got in there and did some rim running but he defensively still has a lot to work on so couldn't be out there too long because Trey Young was eaten. Um, Elgin, I think the Knicks might be boring. They're just going to be solid, yeah. man. They're going to be a solid team. Be, the Knicks. That's the thing. Like last year, they were they showed us it could be solid. Mitchell Robinson. I hope he can play. Those injuries just seem to be getting him just left and right. 
Another team, by the way, this is, a, as we call it, the drama division. Sneaky, sneaky little drama going on with Norland's Noel and, and Rich Paul. That's one thing, of course. We, oh, I don't know. That's very sneaky. Oh, that's it's very just... overt. It happens. The thing is, it happens often in the NBA with disagreements between players and agents, former agents. But this is this is some dirty laundry being aired out in the open right now. So that'll be interesting to see. I was cracking up, though. I kind of had a laugh about this. So I don't know if you saw recently, Julius Randle hit a game winner in a preseason. And then, so he hit a, he hit a game winner, buzzer beater. And then someone just pointed out, it's like, what in the world is Julius Randle doing playing in the fourth quarter of a preseason game? And then someone was like, did you forget who the coach was? Come on. Yeah, but uh, to be fair, they couldn't score in the in the fourth quarter in the playoffs, so maybe they need to be working on it. I don't, you know, it's one of those things. Like I get it. Um, if you if you play at any point in time in a basketball game, you can get hurt. And I I'm not out here caping for the way Tom Thibodeau runs his ship. I do. I you know, Luol Deng's a guy. You know, I I grew to like as he came to the Heat, but like that man's body got broken down quickly by uh, one Tom Thibodeau. And you know, I think about Kirk Heinrich too. Like Kirk Heinrich had no career after Chicago, and I I wonder if it's if it's Tom Thibodeau because Kirk Heinrich was a very solid 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 NBA guard, and had no had no one had any use for him uh, post Thibodeau. So I'm not going to defend the action, but like you suit up, you get stretched out, you're ready to play basketball. I guess the more you play, more likelihood you get injured. Then again. Guys like LeBron, knock on wood, don't get hurt very much. Guys like Giannis, don't get hurt very much. Those guys play a lot of minutes. And so, like, I will I will say, like, the rest is very important. Recovery, very important. I just don't like the absolute, how, like, how some people look at it. You know, like, it's it's not it's not like black and white. It's a gray area. Some guys, they, they get up, like, if they stop playing, they might, like, you know, their body's more likely to have some have some weird problems of, you know, still being jacked up to play but not being able to. Like, there's it's a lot going on when it comes to how to manage minutes. I don't think Thibodeau does it right, but I'm not going to be the one to continually, like, just drag the man for it because I think it's a tough – I think it's a tough balance, especially when you – like, he does have that, like, crazy coach, I have to win thing going on. And the players want to play. You know, if the players want to play, I – you know, it's on the players to protect themselves a little bit if uh if the coach is actually doing something wrong yeah fair enough but yeah there's a team though uh i was high on them last year i don't know if they're gonna get back to, to the to the playoffs uh, well i can see i, I can see making back to I the playoffs for the playoffs. making a making a splash in the playoffs we'll see i mean after the hawks owned them trey young has real estate in madison square garden which always cracks me up trey young i know i know you're not a big fan of mr young but no, don't like to look at. But him. I did enjoy his little villain streak that he had there going on. So I, I enjoyed that a little bit. I was like a good villain. No, no, I, I, re- I respect it. I'm just, I just look at this, uh, like the playoffs this year, and the three teams ahead of them in this division, I think, will be ahead of them. I got, I know two teams in the Southeast are going to be solid, being the Heat and the, and the Hawks, and so that's five. And then we're talking, all right, one team from the Central, the Bucks. They're gonna be in there, so you're already at six right there. That that puts like, and I think if you if you're just going consensus thoughts, that puts the Knicks at number seven, at best. Because I don't think any of the teams I mentioned anyone thinks is is worse than the Knicks, and so you're already in the play-in game after last year being the four seed or five seed. I think four seed. So, just saying, 
The NBA is going to be interesting this year because I don't think the Knicks are bad and they're going to be fighting for the playoffs. Then you got the Bulls, you got the you got the Hornets, who I think could be improved. There's a lot going on, man. A lot of teams, a lot of people give. Yeah, a lot of people give a, a lot of people give a care this year. <laughs> also true. Now, last thing that we got, two years removed from a championship, Toronto Raptors last year, 27-45, but very very unique situation. As far as they had some guys out. We know how they finally made it back to play in Toronto. I mean, they, they were playing, they were the Tampa Bay Raptors for a little bit. And they're over under this year's 35 and a half. Now, they did lose one Kyle Lowry, but you still have Fred Van Fleet added Gary Trent Jr. I know he's been with them. Like, I mean, he got, came during the trade. OG Ananobi, love him. Pascal Siakam, we got to see where he's at these days. I know, I think you mentioned he was still, is he still coming off an injury? I, I know his, his timelines has just been shaky from like, you know, not, I, I don't think he's making opening opening night, but I don't know if he's like missing games in and into November or not. I'm not positive. I, I don't think it's like a Christmas timeline like it is with like Clay Thompson, but I know it's like into November is like the last update I feel like I saw. When they traded to Kyle Lowry, they did get in return Precious Achua, Goran Dragic. Uh, no, Goran Dragic, you're going to be... I know you still have a little tiny soft spot for him, former Heat guy. Oh, I have a huge, huge soft spot for Goran Dragic. I, one of the bigger man crushes I have in the NBA. And it doesn't help that he's left-handed. That's just like, that, that wraps it all up for you. Which some people were trying to say, like, did the Heat really upgrade going from Goran Dragic to Kyle Lowry? I was like, I was like, all right. People really believe like that. Scotty Barnes, I've been a fan of him from what I've seen preseason. I like what he's going to bring to them. I'm interested to see how Malachi Flynn keeps developing from them. Taking a flyer on Sam Decker. That was interesting. Bringing him back. I was like, all right, Sam Decker. Wisconsin, great. Bringing him back. And then you have you have Chris Butcher. Is it Bucher or Butcher? Chris Boucher. There we go. I was off on both instances. Reggie Perry stinks. Utah Wananabe um, is the guy who got dunked on by Anthony Edwards. And Freddie Gillespie is a... Uh, Freddie Gillespie is a guy who did he play? I can't remember where he played right now, but he's like a like a pretty like he's like a six eight kind of wingy forward, like probably more of a small ball center if he ever fully develops. Um, and then you got Sfi Mikhailuk. I don't know if you mentioned him. Isaac Bunga. Yeah, I'm kind of. Eh. Uh, yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of people I put on yeah. here because the Elk and the Raptors are rebuilding, and I think if we ha- if we were doing the over under pod and that's where the number ends up, I think we'll go with uh, you know, like a, a nationwide outfit for when we do an over under pod versus the Oregon scoreboard. Um, but I think the Raptors are an under team. I, I think, you know, I think Goran Dragic gets moved at some point. So then you're looking pretty thin and I'm not just talking about for point guard. Cause actually on this list, I put Goran Dragic as a backup two guard because like, that's what he's like. It's kind of like what his role is going to be. It's just going to be probably to score. You got Fred Van Vliet and Flynn to kind of like run pick and roll and, and handle a lot of the, uh, the facilitation, getting everyone involved. I think, Goron's here to score until he's traded or bought out, depending on how how they feel about the situation. I think OG Ananobi would be the the one reason I'm hesitant to not take the over because I think OG is has another step to take. And then when when you're, you're telling me you can close a game with um, Pascal Barnes, OG Trent, and Van Vliet, I'm like it's a little small, but I kind of like that, it on that lot. Everyone everyone in in that little bit can can move the ball is is athletic. 
you know, Fred Van Vliet, while being small, is like, you know, is, is, a, is a sturdy defender. I'll say you got some defense like, I, on I, there, too. I like that lineup. I, I, and if, you, if, if for a reason Barnes isn't developing as much, you still got pressure to Chua. Like, both those guys can't shoot, but Barnes, I think, would give you more, like, a little bit more facilitation and, like, help the offense flow better. I just look at this team as, like, I'm going to have fun watching this team, whether they're good or bad. Because there's a lot of players out here to be keeping an eye on to see how they go. Yeah, that's fair. I, I get what you're saying. And that's why, with this team, they're not going to, it's a team that I, I feel like they should still focus on rebuilding. I think where they're at, I mean, you have guys like you mentioned who might make it hard as they're trying to take a next step, but this is a team that we know does not have does not have the championship talent caliber that they were just a few years ago. And it'll be interested to see how they how they try to develop. I mean, this is the time you want to just like OG, Malachi Flynn, Scotty Barnes, develop the heck out of them. Like this is what you want to do. And as much as I love OG Ananobi, and I'm I'm still pretty pretty high in, in a generic sense on Pascal Siakam, this team does not have a best player on a championship team on it. And you can bring that via free agency, you can bring that via trade, or you can draft it. And based on the assets they have, like I kind of like where they're at. If you could theoretically draft it i like the surrounding talent that you'll just have in house at that point yeah and th- that's definitely a good point about best player like if anything i, I see some guys can be candidates to be third best player on a team maybe even second i mean pascal siakam wasn't the second best kyle lowry was but like, there was games there was moments where pascal was the second yeah best. but like a lot of times like i i pictured him as like third best player just like fred van fleet oh 100 third guy og could be a third guy and that, that'll be interesting to see as you said like through the draft and I trust their front office, Masai. I feel like he's a guy who's been, had a pretty good track record in the way he developed. He developed the team, made the right moves at the right times to bring him a championship. So that's a guy that, for me, I know I trust. And I know in, and I know other teams were trying to lure him away, too. I know teams were trying, and then the Raptors were like, no, 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 we're going to lock up this guy. And that's good for them. And I'm, I'm at the point where with them that I think I think I'm more on definitely under. Like even if those guys take another step, I think they're definitely going to be under for me. And I think as I wrap up what I have to say about them, that's what I view it as. Like because you have your main guys, and I feel like there's not much in that bench lineup as I'd like to see. And that's just going to be like, all right, it is what it is. We've already done that, like the, a brief conversation talking about how hard it's going to be to like lock in a top six playoff spot this year, right? Just running through the divisions and who the good teams are. You know, Heat, Heat, Hawks, Hawks, Hawks will win that division. Bucks will win their division. It's going to be Nets. I think Sixers and Celtics are all going to be like not like not incredible. Like none of them, the the Sixers and Celtics might not win 50 games, but they're going to be above 500 teams with health, you know, consider considerations. And that's already six, right? And like we said, we've already ran through the list, but like whether what's, what's the Raptors, like, what is their deal? Like, do they need to make the playoffs? Toronto fans just won a championship. I feel like, you know, they, they've, they get a good, a good rap for being a pretty intelligent fan base. Like they're a team that like, you know, supporting the team now, regardless of uh success, they'll be excited to have the team back in town and being able to go to games. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, just, just let this team develop. Take like I'm, I'm happy to see guys out here that like you know hadn't been in the league for a little while, you know, like a Sam Decker. Like just, just, just see what happens. And I, w- I want to make the point because we're talking about third best players on championship teams, right? And that's where we were putting Pascal, and that's where we put OG. And I, I, w- I don't know if I'd put Fred Van Vliet up there. Um, Goran Dragic might have been at some, would have been at some point past his prime now. But the point being is, 
Um, three years ago, I don't think anyone was ready to put Chris Middleton as the second best player on a championship team. And he certainly was. Yeah. So that's fair. I just keep, we've got to keep that kind of stuff in mind when we're talking about the, the ways people develop. Like, but, 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 but we, know, not, not every second best player is Dwayne say, Wade. But like we do have to remember that the first best player is like a generational talent. And that's, hey, that, that, hey, I hear that's you. I mean, that, that, that's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. But I, I, I get what you're coming from. Sometimes you'll have guys who are just like, they're ready to go on that stage. And they're ready to produce to the point in which, like, all right, I'm going to be your second guy. That's it. That is what I'm going to be in. And you were right. Like, with Pascal, I thought he was on that trajectory. Because you remember the season after Leonard left, he came out really great. And I believe that was an all-star season for him. I believe he was an all-star starter as well. Like, he came out ridiculously good. And then he's kind of just tailed off. But but that's it for me as far as Atlantic Division. I think I've added everything I wanted to add. Ethan, do you want to add anything else? No, I think we're good. I just, you know, like I just wanted to get that last point about being second best players because you never know. One day it could be Pau Gasol is the second best player, and one day Kobe Bryant might be the second oh, best player. Oh, spicy take at the end. All right. Nice potting with you, buddy. See you later. <laughs>